In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. It increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. Are you hungry? Because Corpus Christi Sunday gives us, of course, three readings which all focus on food in one way or another. It begins with a prefigurement of the Eucharist through the Israelites' experience of the manna. Moses is reminding them of this bread from heaven in our first reading from the book of Deuteronomy. As you'll recall, Deuteronomy is kind of like Moses' farewell speech. He wants to get the people of Israel ready to enter the promised land. He's asking them to recall how God fed them throughout their wandering by giving them the manna in order to show you that not by bread alone does one live, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the Lord. Yet when we think of what proceeds from the mouth of the Lord, we might think what's being referred to here is the word of God, God's revelation. But the ancient Israelites visualized everything in creation as being brought into existence because it had been spoken into being from God's mouth. Thus the manna had, in a sense, come forth from the mouth of the Lord because he had spoken it into existence. But perhaps we should back up just a bit and ask, what is the manna? Centuries of scholars have attempted to find a naturally occurring explanation for the manna, and there's even been a discovery of an insect in that region which sucks the sap of a plant and then secretes a liquid which hardens and becomes edible. This substance, having a sweet, honey-like taste, must be collected quickly as it crystallizes and falls to the ground. But here's the thing. This naturally occurring phenomenon, thanks to these insects, only occurs for about six weeks each year, and we're told that the manna was given year-round for 40 years. Recognizing that there's no known substance that corresponds exactly to what's being described as the manna lends further credence to a true miracle of God's provision. Our second reading is a grand total of two verses. Paul wants to convince the Christians in Corinth that they should avoid any food and drink which has been offered in sacrifice to a pagan god. Four verses after our short excerpt ends, he says rather clearly, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and also the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and of the table of demons. Therefore, Paul says that the cup of blessing that we bless is in contrast to those other cups of blessing, and a Christian can't be drinking from both. In other words, Paul is telling them that they can't have their cake and eat it too. Except, in this case, Paul is talking about demon cakes. Yikes! At any rate, for Paul, the cup of blessing is a participation in the blood of Christ. The Greek word here is koinonia, and it receives all different sorts of translations into English, such as fellowship or community or union with others. It's a rich word, and it's from this word, koinonia, that we get the word communion today. Our gospel drops us right into the famous bread of life discourse in John chapter 6. The whole passage revolves around verse 52 when the Jews ask, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? If Jesus was just talking in a metaphorical sense about being the bread of life, then there would be no cause for quarreling, since, after all, there was no quarreling when he called himself the true vine or the light of the world. But because of their quarreling, it's almost as if the crowd gives Jesus the opportunity to clarify away from what he said about being the bread of life. But then he emphasizes this being the bread of life all the more. 
Now, for us, 2,000 years removed from this quarreling, we might not fully grasp that the quarreling about Jesus giving his flesh to eat broke out with very good reason. After all, the Torah very clearly forbade any Jew from drinking any blood at all and eating any flesh that still had blood in it. Blood was considered sacred and therefore untouchable, unconsumable. But here's Jesus giving this teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum, and therefore he's speaking to a crowd full of Jewish people. When he refers to eating the flesh of the Son of Man, there's a debate among scholars about how the word used for eat in Greek shifts from the more common phagain to a more animal-like trogain, which means something more like to gnaw. Some say the two verbs are interchangeable while others point out that trogain, the gnawing, can only be found here as well as in John 13, 18 at the Last Supper, which is actually a citation of Psalm 41. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this Corpus Christi Sunday in year A. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.